0: Chapter Five of *The Flying Stingaree* by Harold Goodwin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Gerard. Chapter Five: The Face is Familiar. The Bay Gourmet was all that its outside appearance promised. A waiter, elderly and courteous, his voice soft with the Eastern Shore accent, led them to a table in a main dining room that was like something out of early american history maryland style the maryland colony had not been poor and many of its settlers had been of the english nobility they had brought with them furniture paintings and chinaware from england and france and their homes were gracious and livable the restaurant followed the pattern rick wouldn't have been surprised to see the ghost of lord baltimore walk through one of the arches The boys poured over the menus and finally settled on crab gumbo, clam fritters, and crab imperial. While they waited, Rick opened the subject that was on his mind. How does a stingery fly? Scotty shrugged. Easy. He climbs to the top of a tall tree, spreads his wings, and takes off. He flaps his wings to gain altitude. He steers with his tail. I'm serious rick said sternly his eyes twinkling so am i alternate method the stingaree climbs on a fence and lassos a passing airplane or catches a ride on an eagle's tail feathers take your choice i've got a better way the stingaree poses for his picture the picture is used as a model for making a kite probably of black plastic the kite gets flown in the wind Scotty stared. Maybe, just maybe, you got something there. The stinkery shape would make a good kite. Could what you saw have been a kite? It's possible, Rick nodded. The wind was bundling down the creek pretty fast, and it would have carried a big kite. There's only one small difficulty. Why launch a kite that has no string? You certain it didn't have a string? in that wind the string would have had to be a cable i'd have seen it and maybe felt it the kite stingaree that is just missed of course the string might have broken there's another small difficulty scotty said thoughtfully if it was a kite where was it launched and why up the creek somewhere we don't know what's up there true from the looks i'd say not much maybe some opossums and muskrats which don't launch kites rick spread butter liberally on a hot biscuit we can always take a look we can in steve's boat the creek would be only a few minutes away rick savored the biscuit and took another bite that finished it i could eat a ton of these what else would make a stingery fly scotty accepted a pitcher of honey from the waiter and poured a disgraceful amount on a biscuit how about some kind of experimental aircraft rick shook his head the stingaree was vertical an experimental plane in that position would have to be rising straight up and this creature was traveling almost horizontally with the wind besides i heard no motor or any kind of power plant you're as lucid as lamplight old buddy you explain everything, except what made that stingery fly. Rick grinned wryly. I'll never get a swelled head with you sticking pens in it. Only hearing out my proper function, Scotty said virtuously. The first course had arrived. Crab gumbo turned out to be spicy, hot, and very, very good. I may decide to live here. Rick said as he spooned up the last mouthful. I'm a native already, Scotty stated. The Chesapeake Bay is my home if the rest of the meal lives up to the soup. The clam fritters were light, crisp, and succulent. Meet a brand new Marylander, Scotty announced. Rick started to reply, then stopped as a party of three entered the dining room and were shown to a table nearby. He knew one of the men, but he couldn't remember where they had met scotty he said softly look around at the group that just came in who's the man in the plaid jacket i know him but i can't remember scotty's napkin accidentally fell to the floor he had to turn to pick it up when he straightened he shook his head the face is familiar but i can't place it rick studied the man through half-lowered lids not wanting to be rude by staring openly the familiar face was lean and lined it was not a pleasant face although its owner would be described as a distinguished-looking man of middle age the lips were not especially thin but they were tightly held the chin was firm with a shadow of beard even though the man looked freshly shaven his hair was crisp wavy and pure white could be of french or italian ancestry rick said or maybe spanish or portuguese anyway i'd vote for southern european on the button scotty agreed rick's eyes dropped as the man looked their way the eyes were dark brown he saw with heavy lids the eyebrows in startling contrast to the white hair were dark the boy looked up again his glance guarded the man was smartly but conservatively dressed in dark-blue slacks white sport shirt open at the collar and a linen sport jacket of subdued plaid much like those affected by some ivy leaguers the other two men were not familiar one was almost bald with a wisp of sandy hair combed in a pitiful and useless attempt to conceal the baldness he wore glasses with clear plastic frames it sat on a nose that could have served as a golf ball model his lips were almost non-existent and his chin receded so far that rick wondered why he didn't conceal it with a beard he seemed like a complete nonentity. in contrast to the white-haired man's style of dress the nondescript man wore a rumpled black suit of synthetic fabric a regular white shirt and a tie that a colorblind old aunt might have given him for christmas two decades past the third man was the largest of the three with an expressionless face and eyes that never stopped moving he sat motionless in his chair apparently completely relaxed rick knew that the relaxation was deceptive steve ames at times looked relaxed like that but it was the same kind of quietness one finds in a coiled spring that has not yet been released The man had brown hair, light brown eyes, and a heavy tan. He spoke only twice while Rick watched, and then only to give orders to the waiter. The other two men talked steadily, but in such low tones that the boys could not hear words. The crab imperial arrived, and the riddle of the familiar face was forgotten in a new-taste treat. After one luscious bite, Rick said, i'm going to bring the folks here and order a duplicate of this meal they'll go crazy excellent food was a tradition in the brant household mrs brant was a superb cook and both she and hartson brant had taught the spindrift young people to appreciate a well-prepared dish i'll order the same thing just to keep them company scotty offered generous always generous rick replied you'll eat the same thing even if you have to force it down i'll do just that scotty agreed remember where you've seen yonder diner rick shook his head not yet it's an odd trio he's the dominant one in the group the bald one looks like a servant and the big one like a police dog on guard bodyguard scotty asked quickly maybe or perhaps a chauffeur it's hard to say do you suppose the white-haired man is just a familiar type and we've never seen him before no it isn't that i know i've seen him before but i can't tell you where or when the boys finished the meal with a scoop of lemon sherbet and rose reluctantly we'll be back rick promised that we will scotty echoed the old waiter bowed them to the door as they were leaving rick paused do you know that white-haired man at the table near us why sir that's mr merlin summer folks you might say he bought one of the old mansions this is his second summer with us which one of the old mansions scotty asked calvert's figure it's in the guidebook sir we have copies for sale if you'd like one we have one rick replied thank you not at all gentlemen hurry back the boys walked into a lovely summer night with a newly risen moon near fullness floating just above the horizon by unspoken agreement they put the top down on steve's convertible rick was just snapping it in place when he sensed someone standing next to him he turned to face the big man of the trio the man got to the point without preliminaries you were asking the waiter about mr merlin we thought he looked familiar but we couldn't place him rick replied we meant no discourtesy i'm sure you didn't the man said smoothly he didn't smile even though his voice was pleasant enough mr merlin is a very prominent man he comes down here to get away from people naturally he doesn't welcome inquiries i'm sure you understand we have no intention of intruding rick stated coolly as i said he looked familiar we merely asked out of curiosity you're not local boys it was a statement no we're visitors the local people have learned not to ask questions about mr merlin i suggest you follow their example the man turned and walked back into the restaurant the boys stared after him open-mouthed if that poor soul only knew scotty said he picked the best possible way to arouse our curiosity i haven't been worn so politely in a long time rick agreed come on son let's head for martin's creek he slid behind the wheel while scotty got into the passenger side rick started the car and listened to it purr for a moment i noticed that steve has quite a few books about the eastern shore on his bookshelves he said casually so did i including one called tidewater maryland lots of pictures of the old estates in that one interesting if there was a picture of calvert's favor wouldn't it interesting and maybe informative well are we going to sit here all night nope we're going to steve's looks as if we have a small research project to be followed by a second project scotty added first we read up on calvert's favor and then we find it and look it over rick grinned nobody warns scotty with impunity But nobody, Scotty said cheerfully. End of chapter 5